Hello and welcome into another episode of the Lion's Lair. I am your host, John Sauber, fresh off a trip uh, to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how are you today? Good as always, man. I'm just, uh, we had a lot that happened during Big Ten Media Day. We also saw a blunder by uh, a certain reporter that uh, was like, go blue before a... Uh, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a blunder as much as it's just a sad state of affairs, you know. It's one of those things it's just it's just weird, you know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was a fan site. I don't remember exactly who it was that said it or, or whatever, but it's just one of those things. It's like this for the sake of objectivity, like if you're you are a Michigan fan, like what are you doing outwardly proclaiming it like that? I don't it, it feels gross when someone does like that. It's because it just feels like, well, there's the there's the microphone for the program, you know. There's the the person that is just gonna sort of do all or say all of the right things to try and, uh, you know, whether it's getting access or whether it's just being a, a cheerleader for the program. It's one it couldn't catch me doing it. Tell you that much. Uh, and uh, I'm not all that surprised that someone ended up doing it though. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine because it's like, that's the thing, like none of these schools that are in the Big Ten, I, I didn't go to any of them. Um, So I am very removed from, you know, all the Big Ten stuff when it comes to being a fan of a team that you cover. Now, I understand, well, I understand some people are fans of teams that they cover, but like at the same time, show, like you said, show some objectivity. And Still ask the hard questions. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I would expect, I mean, honestly, what I don't get is that if you if you are a fan, most fans, I think, are a little bit harder on their team than anybody else's. So, like, that was really weird to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be as hard on, you know, the the teams that I like probably harder than the average person than, uh, than saying, oh, go blue. That I didn't get that one. Well, yeah, and, and I can speak from experience. I I went to Penn State, you know, I grew up around the program and was a Penn State fan as a kid. And like, listen, when it's your job to cover the program, it's not your job to be a fan of the program. And you have to, you know, sort of disavow all that stuff, put it all to the side and just do your job. And and that is not what that reporter did. Uh, I did get a, a laugh out of it because it is, you know, from the like it was just the the whole room like turned to see like who said that, you know. Uh, but anyways, we'll get we'll get more to the, the Big Ten Media Day stuff later. Uh, first, we're gonna we're gonna take a deep dive into the offense. Uh, we've been we've been doing these depth chart breakdowns for I think the better part of two months now. It's been it's been a long time. Uh, tell you that much. Uh, we wrapped up the positions last week. We wrapped up special teams over the weekend, and early this week we published our offensive breakdown. How all of this has come together, what it's gonna look like for Penn State, what the passing offense will look like, what the rushing offense will look like. And I, I mean, I know where this is going to start, but I'll leave the floor to you. Uh, where, where can we expect this Penn State offense to, um, to rely upon, uh, you know, the, the most this year? Where can we expect them to, to sort of uh, butter their bread offensively? I think in the rushing game. I mean, I think that they, this, this O-line, like we said before, they've retold it. I think that that's number one. We have to talk about how these guys are I think they could get a little bit creative you know and to me this old line kind of fits like a, a zone blocking scheme you know you have a lot of narrower guys on this old line not not as not as wide but I think the quickness and the speed of this offense will be better for having more athletic offensive linemen you know and then the running game I mean the fact that you have a guy like Noah Kane 
and you have so many others that I, I think can be very beneficial to this to this offense because you have a you have a litany of you know running backs that I, I think can all get the job done you know at, at certain points and the fact that like you know we talked we talked about Devin Ford we talked about John Lovett you know Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes I mean I think all five of those guys will get touches during this season for sure and it kind of reminds me of I don't know if you remember back in the day where they had this USC uh, it was like UFC USC's uh depth chart had like 10 running backs on it and you could see like Reggie Bush and Lindell White and then it was like five six other guys and I think three of them ended up being NFL players so like I'm you know you never I mean with Penn State running backs we always think highly of them for the most part I mean they've had really good running backs over the years and you know it it, it stinks that Journey Brown couldn't play anymore I mean I'm I'm glad that he figured out that his health is of the utmost importance but you know, I think these other guys that they have can be just as good down the line. You know, it just takes some takes some time. And I think it takes some effort from, you know, of course, uh, Jawan Sider, who I think is a heck of a running backs coach. Um, and I mean, he he's done he's done a lot with this program as time has gone on. And, you know, I think your with this with this offense. I mean, passing offenses is key. I think when you have a more athletic offensive line that helps out a ton on a passing offense, even more so than a rushing offense, because now you can get the tempo going. So in this, in this style of play, I mean, they could get, they, they can go and spread them out, but then they can go on, they could go tempo. And I think that's going to be something that not a lot of big 10 teams are equipped to handle. Um, I think most big 10 teams are, you know, used to playing smash mouth football with another offense um, aside from Ohio state. And um, you know, it, it, if you, if you can't stop, you know, that high flying attack that I think that they could have um, if all goes well, then, you know, I, I think it's going to be a problem for opposing defenses to stop this Penn State offense. Yeah. And and like you said, that starts with the the rushing attack. Uh, you know, these these Yersich offenses in the past have been pretty zone run heavy, which will play to Penn State's benefit with, like you said, these are. There's not necessarily massive maulers. Rasheed Walker's pretty big. Caden Wallace is pretty big, but these are five pretty athletic guys. You know, zone blocking should take advantage of that. It lets those guys be more movement-based rather than more downhill-based. Um, I will say at Texas, they, they started to run a little bit more power. Now, we don't know how much of that was Yersich, how much was Tom Herman, because Herman likes to run more power uh, than than uh, Yersich did. And, you know, he, he wasn't as, you know, zone-heavy with his running scheme, so... Uh, that might have just been the the Herman influence on the offense, right? Like that might have just been uh, him him having his say in it. So we might just see ex- not exclusive zone zone run schemes, but a, a vast majority of zone run schemes that that sort of allow these uh, linemen to take advantage of the fact that they're athletic, that they can get into space, and it should sort of create those cutback lanes, which could help these running backs too, right? Uh, like John Lovett, especially, is sort of a one cutback that he puts his foot in the ground and he goes, and if he starts out strong side cuts weak side he can just take off and hit the whole hard and go downhill uh but but you know that with the running backs this is an impressive group i don't know you know they're not on that that bush lendale white uh sort of running back room of usc back in the day but they are they are very strong in the running attack and they have five guys that can reasonably play at a high level five that i think they would be comfortable starting honestly with with how well they've played in five that kind of blend together well uh, we we've talked about in the past, like the lawn boys and how they sort of have this camaraderie in that group. 
Journey Brown used to mention all the time two years ago uh, when we you know could speak to these guys in person that they didn't really care who was getting the touches. They were just as happy when, you know, uh, Journey Brown was just as happy when Ricky Slade scored as Ricky Slade was when Journey Brown scored or when, you know, whoever had the big run at the time, that was, that was who they were happy for. There was no you know, consternation of over that should have been my carry. That should have been my opportunity to run the ball. They've generally blended well together, which is a good sign for, you know, when you have five running backs are gonna, that are going to see the field. Uh, and honestly, it's going to help these guys professionally too. Uh, NFL teams don't want guys with a ton of tread on, uh, you know, gone off the tires. They, they want, they want guys that are relatively fresh that don't have a ton of carries under their belt that can, that can be fresh in the NFL. And uh, you know, the best way to do that is just to have fewer touches in college and just be explosive when you do get those touches, uh, which I think is where we'll see Penn state trend. It's where they've been trending. It's where they'll probably continue to trend. The interesting part of this offense, I think is, is we're going to see more two running back sets if I had to guess than, than we did in the past, mostly because your has done that generally uh, at his stops, especially at Oklahoma state where he liked to utilize two running backs on the field at once. Now, they may stay base 11 personnel with just one running back and one tight end. If, uh, if that is sort of Franklin's call and that's what, you know, James Franklin wants the team to do that, that might be his imparting onto the offense that they stay more base personnel, which also could allow them to just go faster because it's harder to diagnose an offensive concept for defense when they're in the same personnel package and they can run everything out of different personnel packages. So if you come out and keep running 11 personnel and run eight different plays out of the exact same personnel the exact same formation, it's going to be harder for the opponent to sort of uh, establish what you're doing, right? If you can just run these, uh, the, especially with, with the way they run the passing offense, which we'll get to in a second, uh, but the, the, the running offense, uh, going with 11 personnel, using an H-back instead of a tight end at times too, with, with someone like Brenton Strange, who is someone you move around a little, maybe put him in the backfield as, as more of a fullback. Uh, I think they're going to be really versatile in their offensive attack, even if they're really basic in their uh, their sort of approach and um, I don't want to say play design, but sort of setup uh, to their play design, right? Like they they may seem basic and then can be elaborate off of it, which is generally harder for defenses to deal with because they they like I said it's, it's misdirection, they don't know what's coming, puts the offense in a better position to succeed. And 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 the bottom line though is. For this rushing attack to work, the offense, the offensive line just has to be really, you know, not really good, but really solid uh, and, and has to be able to just get cutback lanes for these guys, especially in his own blocking scheme. They need to be able to open up these rushing lanes for these guys. Um, and they should. Uh, the, the, the offensive linemen are, while they're not, they don't have a ton of experience necessarily at Penn State, it is relatively experienced. Mike Miranda was a full-time starter. Caden Wallace and Rashid Walker are both full-time starters, clearly. Uh, and those three we expect to be penciled in as, as starters. And then you look at the two guards, and it comes down to Drew, Juice Scruggs, who has a ton of upside and and honestly probably would have been a starter sooner if not for his his car accident a few years ago where he broke his back, which obviously set things back. And then Eric Wilson comes in as a really, really good athlete from Harvard. I think he was second team all Ivy League uh, after his his the last season he played in 2019 uh, yeah. and probably would have been first team last season had they actually played. He comes in fresh off a year with no football. I'm sure he's ready to get after it. Uh, a really good athlete for an offensive guard. So they're, they're in a position where – the rushing attack could be the focal point of this offense and then could open things up downfield, which is going to be really important for this passing game. And I, and I think Eric Wilson fits in perfectly to this kind of offensive line, especially when you want to run a zone scheme, because 
you know, you got a guy that's six foot four, two eighty. Um, I mean, we look at in the NFL sometimes. You remember those Denver Broncos offenses back in the day with uh, Shanahan, or you know, even the Ravens offense where uh, in 2014 or when um, when uh, Gary Kubiak was running, you know, zone rushing attacks, or you know, all of Kubiak's offenses when he was with Houston, um, though, or even Kyle Shanahan today and um, and McVay. Um, those those zone blocking schemes are important. Um, especially when you have, you know, like I said before, narrower, more athletic, agile offensive linemen. And I think now you could get a little bit creative with the running game. You know, counters are going to be huge, I think, um, in this offense, uh, especially when you have guys that can pull and, and move quickly. And it's going to be incredibly interesting to see, um, you know, like Eric Wilson, I think, fits in seamlessly into this offense and um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, one thing to, um, you know, see the running. I think the running backs, they'll be fine in any kind of offense that they run, but this offensive line, I feel like is built for a zone rushing scheme. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's no surprise that, that Kyle runs it. Of course, is his dad did Kyle Shanahan. That is not, not Kyle. You, of course, uh, but the, uh, the Shanahan. Oh, I, I ran it too. I ran it too in high school. Actually, this yeah, is, I, it's zone, zone blocking time. was my thing back in high school. You know, you had the drop step and everything. When you, when you went backside, you had the, you had the drop step. When you went, uh, strong side you uh you did the stretch step or um you know i that was that was one thing i mean and my problem was that i was a big hulking offensive lineman so yeah, i wasn't able like yeah and i that's how my footwork got better was because i had to had to go in that zone blocking scheme i was like what is this man how do you do this yeah like i, I mean i i couldn't imagine like these guys i think right now like i said before they they fit in perfectly yeah, and they they have the feet and the the nimbleness to 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 get the proper footwork in place to to be uh, quick on the outside, which is going to be necessary for these tackles too. Like you said, they they're going to be pulling a lot. I would assume they're gonna uh, they're going to be using a lot of counters. They're gonna they're going to use a lot of misdirection too, and try and take advantage of any weak point they can find on the defense. Which I think that is that is going to be a focal point of any Yursich offense ever is that he's going to try and find a weakness and he's going to try to take advantage of that over and over again. Um, but yeah, the Shanahan's have, have run this zone blocking scheme that has been hyper effective for a long time. Kyle has put his spin on it. That has been a little more play action heavy, uh, a little more downfield threat heavy. Uh, but that is, and it's also sort of what we see in, in Mike Yursich, right? Like uh, he is, he's sort of adapting these more modern versions of the zone blocking scheme that have opened up the passing game because of how good the rushing attack has been. Uh, I do think we, you know, we'll transition to the uh, passing attack here. I do think it is, it is imperative that the running game is good for the passing attack to be good, right? Like they, if they're not able to run the ball, that is going to put too much pressure on Sean Clifford, quite frankly. And I think if you're Penn state to get the optimal outcome offensively this year, you get Sean Clifford from 2019 and you don't ask him to do a lot more like the, the sort of game manager version where he just controls the offense, gets the ball out quickly. Even if there's some issues with the footwork, even if there's some issues with the accuracy, if he doesn't have to take too long to work through his progressions, if he knows where he can go with the ball, if you simplify things and allow him to take some of the pressure off of himself, because I'm sure that that was part of the equation last year. 
when things start to go bad, it's human nature that, that it piles up mentally and that it becomes more difficult and you get more in your own head and it, and you know, you, you sort of get this sense of overthinking things and, and suddenly your timing's off. Suddenly your footwork's even worse. Like, and you, and you're not in a good position to succeed mentally, and it, it it forces you to fail physically too. And so I think what what should happen and what could happen is the simplification of this offense for him could allow him to open his game up in a way that he's just a distributor, right? He's more point guard uh, than than you know. Um, hall of fame quarterback or anything like that he's just distributing the guys he's getting the ball out he's calling the plays he's he's greasing the wheels and keeping things rolling for the offense and if you do that listen they've got the weapons like this is this is a this should be a high-flying offense from the outside Jahan Dotson uh, is one of the best wide receivers in the country I would say one of the top five to ten wide receivers in the country at the very least one of the best in the big ten the problem is you know, maybe four of those other best wide receivers in the country are also in the Big Ten. It's just a loaded group, uh, but but he is easily among that group, and and he's going to get open. He's going to get separation. Combine that with the fact that Yursich has been able to scheme guys open for years. Like this is not someone that's going to be so heavily dependent on wide receivers getting their own separation. They will get open on their own sometimes, but they will get open because of play call too. And that is going to be important because that wasn't the case last year. It wasn't the case the year before wide receivers had to work to get open. It was almost entirely on them in the past to, to, to basically, you know, create offense. Uh, it's basically since Joe Moorhead was here, uh, they, they've been having to do that. Moorhead was the last guy that we saw sort of open the offense up with his play calling and his play design. And I think we're going to see a lot of that from Yursich this year. So the weapons on the outside to me are going to be very key for this passing offense, because if they, if they're just in space and they're just able to, to operate within the, the play concept, they're going to have massive years. And I'm right there with you on that. And it, it just has to, it has to take, like you said, Sean Clifford has to distribute the ball like a point guard and he has to play kind of like, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. Every time I hear point guard playing quarterback, I think of Greg Paulus. <laughs> we, we all remember when Greg Paulus went from Duke to, uh, to, to Syracuse to go play quarterback. But, um, you know, I, I think of Sean Clifford kind of in that role where he has to, he has to be that guy that's going to move the ball around in a short passing attack, you know, I think that short, the short passes always open up the deep passes. Right. So, you know, and, and that's something that I look in the NFL, the chiefs do that incredibly well. Like the chiefs took a West coast offense, they inverted it and they, they spread it out to a shotgun. And I, I think that, you know, in that kind of offense, you can, I mean, out of the shotgun one, you could see the entire field. That's a lot easier to do than under center. Um, and then two, I, I think, you know, getting those short passes to open up that long passing game, I think that'll be great, especially added in those zone blocking schemes with the, with the run, with the rushing attack. Um, I mean, I think this unit, the receivers, I think will be totally fine. I mean, especially when you have Jahan Dotson, that'll open things up for guys like Keandre Lambert Smith and uh, Parker Washington um, for sure. And then not only that, but I mean, the tight ends can get involved. You know, I, I think Sean Clifford, one thing that he, he does do well is that he can, he's going to try to hit his tight ends. And, and if he continues to do that, I think he'll be completely set with, um, you know, just just being able to 
manage the game. I mean, you have two really good tight ends. Like we we've talked about this before. The fact that Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson are there. Um, I think both of those guys, I mean, they they give you two different kinds of tight ends. You know, one one guy's six foot three and the other guy's like six five, six six. So I mean, you have you have a vertical threat that could go up top and you have a more athletic, you know, kind of move slash H back tight end that, you know, it makes it makes it all the more hard to kind of guard that offense. You know, you can't you can't size up an offense that can do 50 different things. And I think Yurcic, he's a way more creative uh, offensive coordinator than uh, Kurt Soraka was, I, I think, um, based off of, you know, watching Texas. So we'll see. Yeah, I think the – um, the the big thing with between Yursich and Shiraka is the, that Yursich is uh, trying to open things up more uh, in the middle of the field, right? He's creating these these openings in the short areas in the passing game in the middle of the field, whereas Shiraka was trying to heavily use utilize the run game until he couldn't anymore, and or until he found a deep shot, right? Like there was there was a lot of running the ball to open it up for the pass, whereas Yursich will pass open for the run, he'll run to open for the pass. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, he's going to do whatever he has to and is generally a more creative play designer, I, I would say, as well. Um, the, the, I think the the other interesting part of this is the option routes that Penn State, I think, is going to run this year. And I spent uh, what I can only describe as too much time watching Mike Yurcich offenses in the past back in the spring. I, I, you know, we did a story sort of uh, diving deep into what his offenses could look like. Um, spent a lot of time watching what he did at Oklahoma State and Shippensburg, especially like those were the two places where he was clearly in control. Uh, at Ohio State, it was obviously a little bit of Ryan Day. At Texas, it was a little bit of Tom Herman. But Oklahoma State, I think, is the last stop where we can say, okay, well, Mike Gundy probably imparted some of what he wanted here. This is probably mostly Mike Yurcich. So I really, you know, wanted to look at what he did there and, and see what they ran a lot of. And a lot of it was was option routes downfield where where wide receivers, tight ends, whoever they may be, would read the coverage and make a decision on on the pivot point in the route, right? When, in which direction they would cut. And Clifford's going to need to be on the same page as those wide receivers to, for those routes to work. We, I don't think chemistry has been an issue in the past between Clifford and his wide receivers, which is a very positive sign because quite frankly, it makes those type of routes easier to run. But the, And these wide receivers are capable of running those routes, but they're going to need that chemistry. They're going to need to be on the same page because you can't run these option routes unless the quarterback knows where the wide receiver is going to be and is seeing the same thing as the wide receiver is. Um, so that, that's going to be a crucial part of this offense, I think. And again, we, we haven't seen it fully in play yet. We saw a little bit of it in, in spring practice, but that's so early in installs. You're basically running basic offense just to run basic offense and get guys used to things. Um, so what we've seen so far even uh, isn't, isn't all that indicative of, of anything, I would say. Uh, we, we saw a lot of basic stuff. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how this is going to look against Wisconsin in week one. It is, that is not an easy matchup to open with uh, when you're installing a new offense the full off season should help and and you know to be fair to Kirk Shiraka he didn't have a full off season to install his offense last year maybe what he was doing at Penn State wasn't exactly what he wanted it to be but uh, you know there, there's an opportunity here with Yersich for them to take some pretty major steps forward offensively uh, but I think it's going to come down a lot to a lot to Clifford uh, you know he's just 
if he's as, if he plays like he did last year, they're, they're not going to be a good football team. Uh, and your definition of good might be different. I think generally Penn state's definition of good is, is getting to 10 wins. You know, I think it, all of these things are respective of program history and sort of ex- fan expectations and everything. And uh, you know, I, I think that fans probably expect them to get to 10 wins. Clifford's good. I think they can. I think it's definitely within the uh, realm of possibility. If he's not, like this could go by the wayside pretty quickly too because the first three games are not easy. Going on the road to Wisconsin is not easy. Ball State at home, I know everyone will, will gloss over Ball State. Ball State might win the MAC this year and is probably the favorite to win the MAC. I haven't actually checked that yet. I plan to, but uh, they, they're in, they're in, you know, a legitimately really good team. Uh, and then Auburn at home is not easy, although they're also uh, looking at, you know, a, a whole new coaching staff and everything, which should help. But like it is, it is not going to be an easy start to the year. And we're going to find out a lot about this Penn state offense very quickly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm like I said, incredibly intrigued to see what will happen with the Penn state offense. But as a, as things go right now, like, like you said, that Wisconsin game is going to be a tough one. And the fact that they have to go up against, you know, a team that, you know, I mean, we've seen Wisconsin brutalize teams at, at times with that running game. Uh, but on the defensive side, I mean, those guys laid a wood. They really do. And they're, they're aggressive and they play, you know, like when we were talking about before, like the Big Ten's not used to spreading people out because you have teams like Wisconsin that'll just, you know, obliterate people if you try to run the ball on them head up, you know, so that's, I mean, going out to Wisconsin for your first game of the season. Luckily, they're not going. I think it would be worse if they were going out for their, for one of their final games. Truthfully, you don't want to play in Wisconsin in November. And I, I think they would have been rocking that stadium a little bit more even than they are now, even though it'll be the first game that everybody will be able to be back. But, I mean, man, that that's a huge test. That's a gigantic test. Yeah. And, you know, the speaking of Wisconsin, one of the guys I spoke to at Big Ten Media Days uh, was senior quarterback Fayon, cornerback Fayon Hicks from Wisconsin, uh, who is already looking very much looking forward to that matchup, because as he put it, he's going to be Jahan Dotson's shadow out there. Uh, And I think that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, You know, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, They're a very good team, but the the. The, the conversation I had with Hicks sort of centered around this, this idea of, of him and Dotson battling with each other. And it seems like he's ready, but he mentioned too the atmosphere, right? Like these are guys, all of these guys are, are guys that haven't played in front of a full crowd in a very long time. Penn state was playing in front of family and friends of, of players, coaches, uh, you know, all staff and personnel, all the, you know, all those things are nice. It's nice to play in front of your family and have them there and everything, but it's not the same as having a full stadium. Uh, so I think a lot of guys are looking forward to that. And that was one of the things we, we sort of focused on, right. Was at big 10 media days was that these, these guys are sort of having their first real full season since 2019. Uh, th- there was a bunch of stuff that came out of big 10 media days. Uh, you know, I'd, unfortunately, you know, you weren't able to be there with me. It would have been a lot of fun in Indianapolis. It was nice to, to be around people again, I will say. Uh, but I think the, the biggest takeaway that that I got when I was out there is that this is a Penn State team that is hungry after a four and five start last season that feels like that they put themselves in a bad position early and then recovered uh, and also is 
pretty heavily emphasizing all of all of its you know all of their teammates all of their players getting vaccinated and getting ready for the season because of the competitive advantage that that they could have if they're fully vaccinated and you know not forced to miss time or potentially even forfeit games due to COVID-19 uh but you know just from from reading and, and everything what was your the, the thing you sort of honed in on from Big Ten media days um one of the biggest things was that I just saw that so many it's it's a lot of changes with you know a number of teams i mean i I think one who's going to play quarterback in michigan (laughs) that 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 stood out to me pretty heavily um ohio state new quarterback of course i mean that it's it's like so many other teams are going through changes that i mean ohio state i don't think it'll affect them as much but like you know, looking at Michigan, looking at, you know, other school, looking at like Maryland, like how excited a number, that's probably the most excitement I've ever seen <laughs> from a Maryland team ever. Um, but, you know, in, in a number of other people, it seemed like I think fans on Twitter were more excited about Maryland than the reporters were. You know, I, I saw like, you know, Mike Loxley didn't get any questions at Big Ten Media Day, which I found was really weird. Like, you know, he didn't get any questions out in the open anyway from, you know, local media, which was, I guess, odd. Um, but, you know, it seemed like he Maryland seems like that one team that I'm like, OK, well. That's a trap game. I, don't, I mean, I, I can't say that enough. I, I think that that's absolutely a trap game when Penn State comes to play Maryland. Um, Indiana, of course, Michael Penix is coming back. I think the kids, he's tough. I, I like I like the way that he's able to move around and, um, you know, cause problems for people defensively. I think he, he's a problem <laughs> to finish, uh, defensively to stop, you know. Um, yeah, and, and I think I mean, Penix was one of my – uh, he he was one of the guys I spoke to when I was out, out there. His his readiness for this season and their really Indiana's confidence in general, I think, was notable, right? Like this is a program that hasn't had historical success, had a really good season last year, and is now ready to build off of it. Like this is not they do not view that as a one off. And if and if Indiana is going to be good, that's going to be a problem for Penn State. Uh, fortunately, uh, Penn State plays. Fortunately for Penn State, I should say they play Indiana at home this year. Last year, everyone will remember the way that game ended with Penix seemingly almost reaching the end zone, but getting credit for reaching the end zone as our uh, excellent photographer, Abby dry, you know, got the, the photo of, of Penix reaching out and it looks like the ball's out of bounds before it, uh, before it crosses the plane. Uh, but I do think that's going to be an interesting game for that reason. I think you're absolutely right about Maryland because that game is sandwiched on the road uh, right after playing Ohio state and right before playing Michigan like that, that is the ultimate you could have put any opponent in there. And I think Penn state would have been uh, sort of would have been vulnerable to a trap game. You put in Maryland who beat Penn state last year, who has uh, Talia Tagovailoa uh, playing pretty well. Uh, admittedly not, you know, I, I don't think he's as good as Tua was. And I think the, the hype train might've gotten a little bit going too much on, on Talia last year, but, but I do think he's a good quarterback. They have wide receivers on the outside that are weapons and Dante Demas and, and Raheem Jarrett, like that can tear up this Penn state secondary, which should be a good Penn state secondary. Uh, you know, but, but we'll see how that goes. 
I'm with you though. I think that that feels like a trap game. Uh, that's a long ways ahead though for Penn State. Like it might not be much of a trap if they're not off to a hot start before then. Um, the the thing that I thought was most interesting was, you know, well one of the things I thought was most interesting that I don't think has been you know overly reported on too much was James Franklin was asked about Greg Schiano's success in recruiting, you know, and the success they've had in, in New Jersey and and how it sort of altered their their approach to recruiting, and. Franklin's immediate response was uh, he's he's looking forward to playing Rutgers and then he the, the reporter sort of followed up with the similar question to try and get him to elaborate on it and he said he's looking forward to playing Rutgers on the football field which I think is a clear sign that that he and and, and his you know potentially potentially his staff and his players too are confident that when they take the field that recruiting advantage will show right like that they will just have their recruiting advantage once again when they play because they are more talented uh he that that to me and, and again i'm interpreting what he said i want to be clear he did not say what i'm about to say but i'm interpreting it he to me he thinks they're going to to beat them on the field and establish themselves as the dominant team uh, between the two uh but i thought that was just a, like a really interesting comment when when someone just asks about the recruiting success and he immediately takes it to how they're going to play on the field uh, Franklin in general, I think was more open than usual. He asked several times how long it was supposed to be going because he was sitting at the, at the, uh, you know, at the table talking to the, to the media for about an hour. Uh, he, he opened up about conference, uh, sort of the, the, the way conferences are and said, said a lot about how he believes that in, in college football, things should be aligned, right? Like conferences should all be playing eight games or nine. What, he doesn't care which it is. He just thinks they should be aligned on that front. Uh, and you know, I, I did think a lot of it was interesting, uh, you know, but there is it, it, at the end of the day though, it's still just media days, right? Like these, these guys are, they're, they're not always going to open up about things. I think we, we did a good job of, you know, media as a whole of getting as much as we could from these guys. And, uh, but I think it's a, it's a nice precursor, honestly, it, it, it may, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel like we're, we're one step closer to, to getting the real thing and finally getting into Beaver stadium and watching some football this year. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's, it's my first time uh, covering a game at Beaver Stadium, I'm, I'm excited about that, as always. Um, you know, I, I've never I've never seen college football to this level ever in my life in person, you know, like in, in terms of being able to see an Ohio State come to, or a Penn State go to Ohio State or you know, Michigan coming in or things like that, you know, I mean, the only thing that can kind of, uh, I guess, you know, kind of, kind of compared to is that one time when I went to South Carolina Clemson, which was crazy. I mean, it was about 90,000 people at the stadium, but, you know, I, I think sometimes when we look, we talk about the college football blue bloods, Penn state has, you know, been there for a very long time. Um, and the name recognition is always going to be there. So it's going to be fun. I'm very excited about this upcoming season to be able to cover it, to be able to, you know, take in the atmosphere and, you know, see what college football can bring, especially in the Big Ten with, um, you know, a roster that I think is only going to get better as time goes on. Yeah, and, you know, I'm excited to – to, to have you see your first game from the press box point of view. It is, I think a lot of people will tell you it is unlike any other, even, even when you're up there, the, the press box will shake during the whiteout, which as someone who is uh, afraid of heights, it is not a good time when it does start shaking. Uh, but I think that's a good place to leave it. You and I are both looking forward to what should be uh, a season. That's a lot of fun to cover. 
it, it should be a, you know, an interesting season to say the least between your and the offense and, and what's to come. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, a fascinating to see how this all plays out, but that'll do it for this week's episode of the lion's Lair. As always, you can find Kyle and I on Twitter at, at John Sauber and at Kyle J. Andrews underscore. You can read all of our reporting at centerdaily.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of coverage from, from Big Ten Media Days. I've been putting out a story a day basically since I was out there last Thursday. Um, you know, we, we covered, for those of you interested in local high school football, Mountain League Media Days was yesterday. Kyle and I covered that as well. Uh, Kyle will continue to have more coverage of, of preps this season, uh, and, and we'll do an excellent job doing that if you're interested in sort of the local high school scene. Uh, you know, you can find all of our coverage, like I said, there at centerdaily.com. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you think you can find a podcast, you will find this one. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us uh, on your pl- podcast platform of choosing. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and have a great day.